Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of all marketing school certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. And breathe. Oh team, that's how I feel today after our lovely chat with the incredible Hannah. Uh, Hannah Barry, uh, you might have to know. And with Hannah today, we talked about mindfulness, reframing, thoughts, perfectionism, gratitude, and even maths. Yes, you're welcome. So you're in for a good one. You're in for a real treat. Even more so because Hannah was featured in our magazine as well. And I want to say, if you haven't got your copy yet, what are you waiting for? Go and check it out at creativeimpact.group slash magazine and get your digital copy today. We have the incredible Lucy Mountain on the cover. We also have our top 100, which is a list of incredible creatives making moves and shakes in the world. And also an exclusive interview with Hannah, where we dive deep into some of the, the principles of yoga that you can apply in your daily life. Today, though, we're going to dive deeper into her own experience and Hannah's past and also how yoga has helped them recover and change her life and also get the passion to help others find strength and calm in the chaos of life. So we're going to talk about lockdowns, we're going to talk about lessons from children and so much more. In case you don't know about Hannah, Hannah Barrett is an international yoga teacher who empowers students all over the world to feel confident and find strength with yoga. She founded her online community and even launched a yoga app in 2020. But this year is the year that she launched her own book, Yoga Happy. And this is also some of the lessons that we're going to talk through today. I really hope you're going to love this episode and you're going to find that clarity and maybe that little streak of mindfulness that you need, especially after, well, almost the first quarter of the year, which is unbelievable when you think about it. I really hope that these first couple of months have brought some clarity for you, some focus, and also a renewed passion to really come and get it in 2022. But if you are still struggling and you're needing that support, this episode will help you reframe some of the thoughts you might have had and also give you that space to really see the good in life. Without further ado, let's hear it up from the amazing Hannah and let's jump in today's episode. Good 
day, everyone, and welcome back to the Make an Impact show. And welcome, Hannah. How are you doing today? How are we feeling? We're feeling good. A bit tired, as I was saying. I've just come back from holiday, so I'm not complaining, but I am, yeah, taking it easy today. Can I ask you, you told me, <clears throat> you sneakily told me you were jet lagged. So where are you coming back from? Tell us more. I feel like don't hate me. We went to the Maldives, so we're coming back from the Maldives, and it was amazing. It was it was so amazing to get out of the country to get into the sunshine. It was yeah, incredible. It was it the first time that you uh, they actually managed to travel in a while, or is it kind of like one of the things that we did for the last couple of years? No, yeah. So it's the first time we've been long haul in a while, and yeah, it's it's a different world. It makes you like post-covid traveling is difficult and it's actually quite stressful um and it made me really like take think i took for granted how easy it was to travel before before we heard the word covid you know what it's interesting i heard it actually from a lot of people i have yet to travel outside of the country since things started and i haven't seen my family for now almost like a year and a half i'm italian just in case for <clears throat> listeners and Hannah. so yeah and i heard it from a lot of people it's you know it kind of really it puts things in perspective and you kind of realize actually how how difficult it can be uh but i'm glad that at least you came we went to a place where the sunshine awfully welcomed you and the sea and the calm and the tranquility as well so welcome back thank you thanks so much it actually feels so lovely to be home like it's so it's a nice feeling, isn't it, when you go on holiday and you feel really grateful to be home, and even if it's very, very windy here, right? <laughs> At time of recording, we're, we're still kind of getting over the wind and also a bit of the rain, but again, we still want to welcome you back. And just in case some people don't, don't know you, and even I obviously don't know you as well as some of the other people we have on the show, I wanted to ask a couple of icebreaker questions uh, just to kind of get, that, get the ball rolling, get things started. So if you're ready... I've got three questions for you, and I'm going to start with the first one, Hannah. <clears throat> Which is, what is a trivia category you'd be really good at, and why? So think about Trivial Pursuit, or even who wants to be a millionaire. If you could choose your own category, what would that be? I would choose maths, because lots of people don't realise, but I have a maths degree, and I'm a qualified actuary. And I like, secretly love maths. I'm teaching my son at the moment, he's six, obviously he's doing it at school and he loves it as well. And my husband is, um, we met at university doing maths together. So um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I, this is so, uh, yeah. You, if you don't get maths, then you're gonna find this really sad, but I, like, I find it really fun. And just doing it with my son now, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember doing it when I was younger and like really being like, yeah, I get this. But I feel like there's really a side of the fence. Like you either get it and it's fun or it's ridiculously difficult and you're like, oh, I don't understand you. So I'm on the camp of <laughs> math has always been a struggle for me. I'm a creative, I'm a, I'm a like a language person. And that was such a struggle for me. Like everything that is very much about kind of rules and constricted, it always took me a bit longer. But I learned to love it. You know what, Hannah? I, lo I learned to love it. And I think the right teacher can actually help you making it a bit easier on you. That's obviously how I see it for all the non-maths lovers out there. For sure. Absolutely. My second question for you, which now I'm interested to see if it overlaps. Maybe not. But what is the first job you had and what did you learn from it? So weirdly, the first job I had... I was when I was at university I interned as an actuary at a firm called Lane Falcon Peacock 
And um, I then got a job through that internship. So then I went to that company straight away. And then I was there for nearly 10 years. And then I had a baby and then thought about going back and thought, I can't do this right now. I need to have a break. I need to follow a different path. And yeah. And what did I learn from it? Oh, God, I learned so much. I learned like so much from it. And so much actually that's helped me in being a yoga teacher as well. And yeah, I, I, can't, I can't just pick one thing. I learned, you know, it, I, I don't regret ever doing what I did. It was amazing and I did love it, but it just, it was a very intense job, very intense hours. And when I had a little baby, I just thought, do you know what? Now is time for a change. Now is time to kind of look at what I'm doing and, and do something completely different. I love that. And I, I think we're going to really cover that a lot throughout the different conversations we're going to have today. Because as you said, this has been like a big transition and there's also been such a long journey and 10 years is quite a long time. So I'm sure that, as you said, some of the skills and the lessons will transfer as we're talking through some of the most recent parts of the journey. And that kind of leads me to the most recent part of the journey, my final icebreaker question, which obviously is uh, taken from the name of the show, Make an Impact Show, which is, what does making an impact mean to you, Hannah? Oh, what does making an impact let me give an example of my kids, right? This works for anyone. And it's this idea that they they do what you do, they don't do what you say. So my impact is, and this, this is so ties in with yoga as well, is that you really need to be consistent in the way you think and the way you do and the way you act. And it just, it, there needs to be consistency and let's use kindness, like the kinder you are to yourself, to other people, they're a little, like it's a ripple effect. It's going to help others in a huge way. So making an impact, I suppose, is just like being the best version of yourself and to help others if they're struggling. Does that make sense? It does. And the analogy actually of, of children, I think is a really powerful one because it reminds us a lot of the time that the impact that we make a lot of for us often is about what we do and uh, and also like about how we show up in the world and kind of being vulnerable and again expressing that kindness which I love that you mentioned as well because I think is a great reminder of the practices that we can do on a day-to-day and I almost wanted to ask you retrospectively did any of this or did you have any feelings or any kind of needs as you said when you went through that transition to explore becoming a yoga teacher that came maybe from the need to either be kinder to yourself, or as you said, the need to find a different way to actually kind of show up in the world, or maybe it was for your children. Um, just in case, you know, people don't know you that well, I think it would be a great way to explore that transition and how it maybe reflects some of these things that you have learned and some of these ways that now you are making an impact as well. Yeah, God, that's a really deep question. But I think a bit, a bit of everything you said, basically, yes, I definitely need to be kind to myself. I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of people listening, but I was like a super duper perfectionist the whole of my life. And it's something I'm trying to let go of now. And it's something that I'm desperately trying to teach or or steer my children away from and understanding that, you know, I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. And that's okay. We're all human. And so, yeah, I think it was, it it was a, a big part of it as well was I was so stressed and though, and I did feel happy. I did like what I did, but I knew that I was just too, stressed and that it was just too it was all too much and I needed to 
I needed to cope with that if I was going to survive as being a mother. But also, I didn't want to pass that on to my children as well. So I think that was a big part of it as well. I want to jump into your students now because I love that we talked about some of the lessons that you learned, and also how can you then, you know, apply and support them and kind of teach them, as you say, also from example to your to your kids. But I'm wondering, have you seen? maybe recently, let's say, because I think there's been a lot of ways in which we've changed as humans in the last couple of years. Some some other tops had some behaviours or some obstacles that a lot of your students have faced that you've been helping them more with recently, like whether it is the perfectionism, whether it is being kind, or whether it is, you know, maybe setting different boundaries. I know that your work can be so much about, obviously, the, the everyday life as much as it is when you show up on the map. And I was wondering whether you are seeing some patterns or some behaviors that you're really helping people to practice with you currently, you know, overcome or kind of like go to the other side. So I think basically a good example is COVID and lockdown and the ish, you know, this whole having no space, feeling really constrained, the uncertainty. And so we were all struggling with it and I was struggling with it too. And I think it's quite powerful to be helping through others where you've had that struggle as well. Because right at the beginning, actually, I had COVID, so I had to work out quite a few things myself before actually I started up teaching. And for example, like I really um, ramped up my meditation practice and that really helped to support me and helped to kind of quieten the noise and bring me back to the present moment. So I think, yeah, I think COVID is a good example. Did that answer the question? (laughs) It did, it did. And again, it taps into the uncertainty and I think that kind of bringing back to the now and the present moment and I can definitely see being something that a lot of us have struggled with and it's almost interesting to see now going past it has, I'm going to put my hand up and see myself, but also a lot of people now are struggling with finding the balance between, you know, wanting to plan and wanting to get excited and looking at what's next and also almost taking the time, I think, to heal from a really challenging time for so many of us for so many reasons trauma isn't it traumatic it's been it is and like I think lots of us don't want to say that because trauma sounds such a big thing but it's been huge like two years now right two years of uncertainty um you know of of heartbreak and just so much yeah it's been challenging and I I feel that practices like yoga and meditation and just that level of day-to-day mindfulness is almost that check-in that I feel before some of us on most of us especially listening probably had on a recurrent basis or almost recurrent basis but personally and I want to hear your opinion and your experience but I'll put again putting my hand up once more and saying that has become an essential for me being able to have my journaling in the morning and kind of like note down how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking because I did tend to bottle it up a lot and I feel these days I realise that if I don't do this on a regular basis, then I will see the effects going forward. And I don't know how much, but I believe that a lot of it was also thanks to this big change that we had to overcome. So I don't know if you have any kind of like daily practices like this, aside from obviously yoga and meditation that really help you with that, checking in with yourself these days. Yeah, they're all in the book. So I released a book um, last month 
called Yoga Happy. And that, you know, that was written during lockdown. And they're all the practices that help me. It's, you know, it is all yoga. Everyone thinks yoga is just the movement, but it's the meditation, it's the breathing, it's the self-study through journaling, however you want to do it. So I've got loads of habits that help and support me. A couple of examples, you know, and everyone shouts from the rooftops about this, but it's gratitude. And I always do it with my children as well. And that has a really big impact on them. And actually I see it not just while we're doing it and some of the sweet things they come up with, but like, you know, it was raining. This is probably last year now, but it was raining. And I was like, oh, it's a rainy, cloudy day or whatever I said. And my son turned to me and he said, oh, but at least the the trees and the plants are going to be grateful, mommy. And I was like, oh, that's so lovely. It's such a, it's such a great outlook. And I was like, it, it does make a difference. So people, these small habits like gratitude, journaling, doing, um, um, having a meditation practice, they really do help, but they're not going to, they're probably not going to help on day one. It's probably, you know, you, you have to stick at them and meditation in particular, people think, oh, well, you just have to not think. So it's going to be easy. I'm going to sit down and try. And then they try and they're like, no, this isn't for me. But you know, you, you'd never, you'd never start like a, a new sport or hobby and expect to do it in one sitting. It takes time and practice and it isn't about just clearing your mind. It's about becoming more aware of yourself and your thoughts and detaching from those thoughts and things like that. So there's so much more to it. But my point is after day one, it's not going to have a huge impact, but after day 100, you're really going to feel it. And you're actually, and I, I, during my holiday, I always drop my meditation practice. I did much more practice on my mat actually, but I'm like, I need it. Like I do, you do need, like I'm come back to it now and I'm really excited to be getting back into it again. Like it's not just one of those things that you do when, when you need it, it has to be kind of reoccurring as a support system, I suppose. And it's that consistency that you kind of do brought up and I was, that's what makes a habit a habit. But again, and also, I think there's an element of then when consistency comes, but then, as you said, for some reason, you maybe drop it or you reduce it. I believe that I'm a perfectionist myself. So what my tendency would be is to beat myself up straight away and be like, oh. And again, it's been just by that awareness, which we talked about already a few times, that I was able to see that pattern and almost that reframing that I love the example that you brought with, with your son as well, yeah. that reframing is really where the power comes. It's like, well, if you drop something, you know, reframing that and be like, well, it means I can go back at it again and nothing happens. But I feel the perfectionist streak in so many of us can be one of our worst enemies sometimes. And I want to hear like, how have you been, uh, you know, dealing with it or making peace with it or uh, understand it in a way that has been actually empowering for you just for all the fellow perfectionists in the room here. Yeah, I think a big part is recognizing and actually look, tuning in, finding that connection to yourself, which sometimes we don't have. Like when I first became a mum, my kid, my my youngest um, Jack, he didn't sleep. He had reflux and he, he had silent reflux and he didn't sleep. And I was just constantly, everything was about him. I didn't sleep because he didn't sleep. And I didn't like, I used to think, oh my God, I have, I really need the toilet, but I've probably really needed the toilet for an hour. And I couldn't even like <laughs> tend to my mo most basic needs and like tune in. Oh God, I'm starving. It's now four o'clock and I haven't eaten lunch. Like we, we need to connect in to ourselves to actually know what we're doing, what we're feeling 
And then once we recognize, so I think it's a big, the big thing is kind of just recognizing this perfectionist trait, recognizing it and then changing the narrative. And it's really, it's really valuable to say that this isn't kind of a fake it until you make it. This is just, this is, it's not like that at all, but it's just trying like the change of perspective. So if you have a day that is just everything goes wrong, instead of thinking I've had a really bad day, look back at it and think, actually, what did go right today? Even if it was, you made your bed, the sun was shining and you ate a delicious croissant or whatever it is. Like it's finding joy in the small moments. And I think lots of us have realized that over COVID um, times that it's so needed. Like, you know, I find, I just feel like I'm so much happier now than I ever have been because I find joy in those small things. Like, you know, seeing the kids run across the lawn in the morning and just doing a silly dance, like that brings me so much joy. I want to ask you a question back to the book because I feel that obviously as you said, a lot of these principles are also the ones that you cover in the book. And it's a question that I love to ask all authors as well. So looking at Yoga Epi, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you have learned as you were writing the book? I love to say I've learned this isn't this isn't the real answer. I love to say that I have learned the difference between practice with a C and practice with an S. But it seems like I haven't learned that because my editor was always changing it. And I have to say, although I love maths, I'm really bad at grammar. So I don't know how I managed to publish a book, but there you go. Um, but I suppose the biggest, le- oh, a good lesson, maybe I don't know what the biggest lesson is. I'm finding that a really hard question, but is focus, right? I think if you are thinking about writing a book or you are, are writing a book or doing some kind of big project, often we start the day and we're like, okay, I, this today I'm going to sit down. I would literally have Tuesdays with my big days where I'd sit down. I had childcare so I could just get at the book. And I started with the intention of sitting down for the whole day and writing. And it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I used to then set myself 20 minute intervals where a timer would go off. I'd then go and walk around, move my body, do something, go and have a drink, tend to my needs, whatever it was. And then I'd go back to it. Because if you try you just need to be realistic. It, it, you become really unproductive. So I learned, I learned how to be more focused and actually more productive by doing shorter little spurts, you know, and, and I do lots of those 20 minutes a day. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying I was doing 20 minutes a day, but you know, it, you, you need to be realistic. You can't, you're not a machine. We're not machines. We're human beings and we can't, yeah. Focus can be difficult, right? Also, turning turning your phone and your computer on airplane mode is just so valuable. Don't let anything distract you. I find that a lot of the times, projects like books can really teach us a lot about our time management or how we can manage our time for focused activities because these are some of the big projects that will require us, you know, to put a lot of focus into something for a longer period of time. Having written two books and also having had editors looking at them, I appreciate you know, how we have to work with other people in that way, which can be difficult or different than some of the other things that we do on our day-to-day. So I agree. I found that myself, which is ironic when my book is called Reclaim Your Time Off. But I did learn how to work smarter myself as I was writing it. So I, I do love that. I want to ask you a question that kind of bridges both the book, obviously, I know it's been it's still like quite a baby itself because it just came out, but and also the community, because your community is a very strong community, and I think it's such a powerful thing, especially when you're showing up online. 
And I wanted to ask you, was there any way that you felt you asked the community to support you or what, or actually the community supported you and kind of gave you, you know, a way to amplify the book? Because obviously it's different for everyone. And I know that when you have a strong community of people, it's great to be able to uh, share with them either like the behind the scenes or maybe make them part of the book journey as well. Yeah, I I don't know if I shared much behind the scenes, to be honest, but I found the community to be amazing. Like the people who shared and wanted to like lift you up. Like I love it. Like I love people who are celebrating others' wins because at the end of the day, we're not in competition with each other. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, and like, so I'm part of... Um, the Wonderlust family, I don't know if you've heard of Wonderlust, but they do festivals all over the world. And um, they were like, oh yes, let's, they sent, you know, they did loads of stuff for me and it was just so wonderful. And I like to think these are lots of people that I've supported in the past and I have, but it's just so lovely to see it back at, like come back at you as well. Like it, again, it's these kind of ripples, I suppose. Um, so yes, it was lovely. I do know Wanderlust and actually I we worked with them in the past as well. So um, it's, it's been lovely actually and um, it, it's been a while for us. But I guess with the last couple of years, it's understandable that things have changed. I want to ask you one more question just related to this. And this is again, probably another hard question. So Hannah's like, ah, stop. But uh, how do you think the role of yoga teachers has changed in the past couple of years, especially as so many of you as so many yoga teachers moved online as so many yoga teachers didn't just become the people that will join you on the mat but as you said the principles of yoga then started to move into different areas of your life so if or how do you think has the role of yoga teachers has changed especially when it comes to their audience and the students it's got yeah it's massively changed and I often think about those who've become yoga teachers over lockdown. So learning online, teaching online, who have never taught a class in real life because I love teaching online. Obviously I have my own app and I have a big community online, but I love teaching in real life. Like it, yeah, it's, um, so it's strange you know, and it, it must be so daunting for the people that have learned how to teach yoga in COVID times to then go into a class and be like, it must be really daunting. But it, it's changed massively in like, the online world of yoga, just everyone's online now. And the comp that I've said, there's no, you, we're not competing with each other, but the, there is a lot of competition. Everyone's doing the same thing. So it's very difficult to get your voice out, I suppose. And like, I'm, I'm so lucky that I had a big platform, but if I, you know, those who are just starting out, it's very hard to find people to come to your class if you're just online so it's so nice now that the world seems to be opening up a bit studios are more open and people I think people actually are, are looking like actively seeking real life classes because zoom classes are amazing I love I love the zoom room you do get the energy but it's very tiring and actually we we're searching for getting offline okay because we we live our life online. We're surrounded by technology and, it, and it, it, it can be a little bit much. I think a lot of us have started again to crave that offline connection. So I can definitely see that myself. And as you said, it's almost reintroducing ourselves to it and not just from a, from a work perspective, but even from a personal perspective. So I, I agree. And I think it's, it's refreshing, but also has really shown that some of us need to find our way around it again. Which is really bizarre. You never think that you need to relearn social skills, but there you have it. That's all. Oh my god, yeah. It's weird. I remember the first few times I went out, as in not to a yoga class, just went out with friends. 
I really had to force myself to go because I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like it's, and it's weird. And I remember thinking, God, this is really weird. But then I saw a good friend of mine, he's called Anna Mathen, she's a psychotherapist. And she did this post on Instagram, like very similar to the time that I'd been thinking these things along the same lines. And everyone was resonating. And I was like, ah, I'm not alone. This is weird. Like it's, we've been in our bubble for so long. So yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Hannah, I have one more question for you. And this question we ask every guest, and this can be a yet another tough one. I know, I know, I'm evil, especially as a jack lad. But uh, my question for you would be, if you could have anyone, invite anyone for brunch, dead or alive, who would this one person be and why? Oh, I yeah, you, you are like, I answered this, didn't I? Well, it wasn't one person. I, and then really... I'm going to use the example because one of the people that I said, so the question for the magazine was about the, the dinner party who invited my dinner party. And I filled in the answer. And one of the people was Thich Nhat Hanh, the, the kind of the mindfulness guru. And then the next day he really sadly died. You know, he'd had a very, very long and, and beautiful life. But I I know people that have um, that know him and have been on his retreats. And when they talk about it, it sounded so wonderful. And I just know I could learn so much from him. So I would love to have brunch with him and just experience just a few hours in his, in his presence. Don't know if you've ever read any of his books, but he, he's just, he makes things so simple and so wonderful that he was really all about living in this moment right here and now. And I think lots of people's struggles in today's world is because we find it very hard to bring ourselves back into the present. So yeah, take that home. Can I ask you one book recommendation in case our listeners want to get started? Maybe you don't know about him yet. Oh yeah, what for the Ignat Han? I think it's called The Miracle of Mindfulness. I have it around here somewhere. It's very, very easy to read as well. It's called The Miracle of Mindfulness. And it, yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. And one of the things that he says, and actually I mention it in my, in my book, in Yoga Happy, is that um, talking about making one day a week for mindfulness. So in, in a perfect world, we want to live our whole lives completely mindful, completely in this present moment. But given how chaotic today's world is, it's very, very difficult. So start with one day. So you make, say, Sunday your mindfulness day. You get up in the morning, you mindfully get out of your bed, you mindfully have your cup of tea, then you go and have a shower, but you do it super mindfully, just being aware of all sensations, everything that's going on in that moment right then and there. And obviously, each time your mind wanders, which it will, just gently bring yourself back. And then over time, you'll see the effect of this. And over time, that mindfulness day will turn into a mindfulness two days, a mindfulness week. And it's so simple, but it, it's so, it's just so beautiful. And we, we need to live our lives more mindfully, I think. Hannah, thank you so much uh, for the wisdom, for all the ideas, and also the reminders of some of the things that I think we need to, you know, kind of make space and time for a bit more sometimes and like the power of some of the simple reframing we can do and obviously for the book recommendation i love a good book recommendation so if people want to find out more about your own book yourself your community anywhere else it's time to tell them where they can go and prosper and find out more about you and what you do so i'll leave you the stage to tell us more oh cool well hannahbarrettyoga.com you'll find out everything about me there's links to where you can get the book um and all about my app um so yeah just head to hannahbarrettyoga.com or my instagram hannahbarrettyoga thank you so much for listening don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode if you loved it 
please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at Creative Impact Co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.